0: we are going through a series at the moment called uh, going uh, encountering god going deeper and wider i'm looking at different people in scripture different stories from scripture um, that help us uh, to go deeper with god and wider with god and today we are going deeper and wider through the themes of lament grief and suffering um which feels quite apt considering what is going on in gaza and israel at the moment but may also feel very, very apt for what is going on in your life at the moment. Um, for anyone here, whether you are a Christian and you've followed Jesus for a long time, or you are discovering Jesus, or think like just figuring out who he is and what you think about him, there's a challenge that everybody here faces, uh, which is how do we seek to encounter God with all the suffering that we see in the world and all the suffering that we see in our own lives? When we look out or you load up BBC News, you just see so often a chaotic world, violence, immorality, discord, disputes, warfare, pain, grief. And so often when you look in your own life, you find that the chaos that's out there is also chaos in your own situation, your own circumstances. Illness, disease, pain, rejection, disappointment, Grief, despair, there are so many times when the, the chaos that's out there, we see the chaos in our own lives as well. And the story of the Bible is the story of a God who steps into creation because he desires intimate relationship with us. He desires for us to draw close to him. So a key question for anybody seeking God and trying to go close to God is, how do you develop intimacy with God when, you're, when the world is going through the blender? Like, how do you draw close to God when your world is falling apart? And if you've never had to ask that question, praise the Lord, but I imagine most people in the room have had to ask that question at some point, and I imagine for many people in the room, you're asking that question right now. How do I draw close to God with all that's going on? How do I draw close to God with everything that I see around me and everything that I'm experiencing And we are going to look at this question through uh, the life of a prophet called Habakkuk, who's probably writing two and a half thousand years ago. So this is is an old story. This is ancient wisdom. And he is writing at a time when the Israelites, the people of God, are in trouble. They are not following God in the way that they are meant to. They're not following God in the way that God has called them to. And Habakkuk knows that this is a, a big problem. What's interesting about Habakkuk, normally with Old Testament prophetic books, which Habakkuk is, it's a message from God that the prophet relays to the people. But Habakkuk isn't that. Habakkuk is a a prayer between Habakkuk and God. It's a, a record of a conversation between Habakkuk and God. And I think we can draw three things out from this conversation that's really helpful for us. We're going to see that the path to intimacy with God, going deeper with him, is through vulnerability and lament. The intimacy with God is deepened by remembering what God has done for us. And that intimacy is what empowers us to wait with patience and actively rejoice. So there's a, a journey that you go on as you go through Habakkuk. So let's start with this idea that the path to intimacy with God is through vulnerability, it's through lament. Habakkuk starts by praying to God. And this is how he starts his prayer. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife. Conflict abounds, therefore the law, your law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Habakkuk has been praying for a long time and he says, God, you don't listen to me. You don't save. I'm crying out and you don't save. Habakkuk is complaining that everything around him looks like people doing wrong, people being violent causing destruction, fighting with each other, ignoring God, disobeying his commands, which means justice, the things that are right, never come to pass. They never prevail. You can, like, you're stepping into Habakkuk's frustration here. Like, his anguish, his tears, his anger, his despair. This is a a blowout between Habakkuk and God. But what you do notice is that Habakkuk is directing all of this to God, This is his prayer to God. As Christians, we want to pursue greater intimacy with God. We want to know him more deeply and know him more closely, which is a beautiful desire. But, you know, when I talk to a lot of people or when I reflect on my own life, so often what I find or what I talk about with others is that we struggle with intimacy with God. God feels a bit distant. It feels hard. It feels difficult to connect with him. Sometimes people say, God just feels like he's far off from me or my situation. Maybe you can resonate with that a little bit this morning. And there's loads we could say about how we develop intimacy with God. But I'm going to suggest that one of the things that I think stifles our intimacy with God is when we're not honest with him. We don't tell God how we feel towards him. Um, As I was preparing this talk, I had this kind of picture of a balloon. It's like a a balloon inside us, and um, it's kind of our our language to God, our intimacy with God, and and we try and blow up the balloon with things like gratitude and thankfulness and worship and praise, and we're trying to blow this balloon up, and and it's kind of going there. It's kind of getting bigger, but it just feels like there's this weight sat on top of the balloon that constricts how how much it can blow up, how large the balloon can get. And I think what it means is we can be doing, you can be doing all the right things as a, as a good Christian. You can be seeking to cultivate your relationship with God, you can be worshipping, you can be reading your Bible, you can be being loving and generous to others, you can be praying, but there remains this kind of unspoken block between you and God. And I think you see this dynamic all of the time between people in relationship, friendships, relationships. When something happens that causes hurt or causes pain, when it goes unsaid, it's like the elephant in the room, isn't it? You, it gets frosty, gets a bit icy. We're British, everybody gets a bit passive-aggressive towards one another. You just notice that there's this thing that's causing the distance, and unless it's spoken about, unless it's brought out into the open, it's got the potential to just keep growing and growing, and that distance gets greater. And we've got to recognize that sometimes that's the case in our relationship with God. There's something that's happened that's caused pain, distress, heartache. And if we don't bring it to God, as Habakkuk is doing, then it can, it can open up that gap, open up that distance. And um, as many of you will know, because uh, I, 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 this is like the third time I've preached on lament. It's basically like if Mosaic wants to do a preach on lament, they're like, let's get Dave. <laughs> Dave will do it. Um, so as many of you know, because I've banged on about it from the front lots of times, like our family's had a difficult few years for a whole variety of different reasons. We've had ill health, we had the pandemic, everybody had the pandemic. Uh, my wife got sick with COVID, which was really hard. She got diagnosed with cancer, and we had to go through treatment with that. Our house flooded, so we had to move out of our house for nine months. I got gout, I slipped a disc in my back, I couldn't walk for eight weeks, I had seizures. It was just like boom, 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 boom. You know when you just get pummeled? with thing after thing after thing after thing after thing. And I kept doing all the things you're meant to do as a Christian, part of the church, reading the Bible, serving people. But I noticed that prayer became really difficult for me. So I'd get a WhatsApp and somebody said, oh, can you pray about this situation? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, put the little prayer emoji. Mm. <laughs> um, but wasn't doing it. Or I'd be in a, a setting, group setting, where everybody's meant to pray, and we know that if you're in a group setting, everybody's got to pray at least once before the <laughs> prayer is complete. Um, and I just, I just didn't want to say anything. I was just there, and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to talk. I don't want to say anything to God. Um, I felt this real fatigue and lethargy around prayer, around talking to God, and I tried to figure out what was going on. But what was happening is my intimacy with God was was getting harder. There was more distance that was growing in in my relationship with him. It was dropping. And what I kind of realized was like, I think I'm really angry at everything that's happened. And I was like, God, I think I'm really angry at the circumstances. And that kind of helped a bit. I was like, God, why has all this stuff happened? But I think actually I went a level deeper and I realized that I felt rejected by God. I felt totally ignored by him. I was like, it's not that this bad circumstances has happened. I was like... I just feel like you haven't done anything. I feel like you haven't helped in any way. Now, I'm a director of a theology school. I can give you all the theology of why that isn't true, blah, blah, blah. But that was how I felt. And what I noticed is my intimacy with God, my prayer with God, was kind of getting so far, and then it was being blocked because I wasn't being honest with him about me saying to him, I feel like you just left me alone in all of this. I feel like you just walked away and that you couldn't give a damn about everything that was going on. That's that's what I needed to say to God. And what I found really interesting is when I said it, you know that image of the balloon inside, it grew bigger, it didn't grow smaller. The ability to worship and draw closer to God grew bigger as I leveled my accusation at him, as I complained to him, my ability to worship, my ability to draw close, my ability to pray increased. It didn't decrease. Which seems kind of counterintuitive. But that's what's happened. And you, I think you see this in Habakkuk. He's coming before God and he says, how long, Lord, must I call for help? But you don't listen. Or cry out to you violence, but you don't save. Now, if you sat Habakkuk down and said, do you think God listens? He'd be like, yeah, I think God listens. Like, theologically, I know that God listens. But that wasn't. That's not going to aid. I mean, the irony is, he clearly thinks God listens because he's praying to him, right? <laughs> but there can be a defensiveness that we cultivate in our heart. We, we don't want to go to that exhausting, difficult, painful place of bringing pain to God. Because it feels exhausting. We want to just protect ourselves, draw, like, draw away from him. But when we do that, we, we draw away from the, the one person who is actually going to be able to help us. So Habakkuk doesn't hold back. He brings it all to God. I, my, one of my encouragements would be try and reflect on how do you bring your complaint, your grief, your lament to God. I like to go for a walk in the woods near my house where there's nobody around and get angry with God. So I'll kick a stone or, like, snap, snap a twig. Really, like, middle-class anger. <laughs> <coughs> like, oh, God. Ding! <laughs> but it just gives me some space to to vent to be like what is going on here what's going on there and it doesn't like it doesn't take me super long it's not like i'm trudging down that wood for days and days five minutes ten minutes but it's just the relief valve of like oh and then i can move towards prayer and worship for some of you it's journaling for some of you it's painting there's no prescription on what you should be doing but do something to bring yourself to god second point intimacy is deepened by remembering what god has done for us So Habakkuk wants God to act to bring an end to this injustice and violence, and and God responds to Habakkuk. Let's see what God says. He says, verse 5, Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe. Sounds great. Even if you were told, I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the world to seize dwellings not their own. God's response, I'm going to raise up this bloodthirsty, evil people who take people's homes that are not their own, and I'm going to bring them and they're going to sweep over my people. God is going to raise up this other nation to humble his people. He's going to raise up a foreign nation to devour the Israelites because they're violent, unjust, and disobedient. What God reveals to Habakkuk is Your world is going to crumble more before it gets better. Things are going to get harder before they get better. Even as God is acting, they're going to get worse. Not the response Habakkuk wanted. So what does he do? He prays again. He brings more complaint and more accusation to God. Chapter 1, verse 12, he says... Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. What are you doing? Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves. What are you doing? How can you do this? Do you not know who you are, God? I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am given to this complaint. What are you doing? How can you do this? Explain it to me. That's Habakkuk's response. He's really going at God here. He's, he's really not holding back. Habakkuk is shocked and offended by what God tells him. He says, God, your response is worse than if you didn't do anything. What you're gonna do is make everything worse than it already is. Now maybe your reaction here is that Habakkuk should just check out. If this is what's gonna if this is what God is gonna do, just be done with him. Just walk away, Habakkuk. God's making everything worse. Just just check out, walk away. And I can resonate with that a little bit. Maybe Habakkuk resonates with that a little bit. It's hard when we lament and we cry out and we say, God, I feel like you're ignoring me, and then things get worse. But again, Habakkuk is praying. Habakkuk is bringing his lament to God, and he says, I will wait for an answer. I will wait because I know you will answer me, and I will wait until you answer. He recognizes that God knows more than Habakkuk does. He recognizes, at the very least, that God will give a response. Habakkuk doesn't check out. He comes at God again. He keeps the conversation going. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to station myself here until I get an answer. You know, there's such a huge temptation when life gets brutal and painful and horrendous to just check out with God. When we feel like he has let us down, when we feel like he's not done what we wanted him to do maybe we feel like he's even made things worse we can just want to throw it out and walk away and I think if you're honest many people in the room will have had that moment like, I just I want to I, I want to just go to the the dream of escapism I want to just go to the comfort of just food and telly and just I just escape from it all I just don't trust that God's going to help, so I just want to check out. But when we do that, all that happens is we have to face everything that we're going through without the help of God. We have to face everything that we're going through without the support of the one that we're going to see is going to bring comfort and help in times of trouble. And actually Habakkuk's response here is really helpful. Go again. Come to God again. Complain again. Lament again. And God responds to Habakkuk for a second time. He says, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Indeed, wine betrays him. He's arrogant and he's never at rest because he is as greedy as the grave and like death is never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and takes captives, all the peoples. So Habakkuk has said, I'm gonna station myself and wait for you to explain. And God says, okay, I will explain. God tells Habakkuk, these are the words that you need to write down. These are the words that somebody will run with and proclaim that there is good news from God. What does he say? God says, there's an end. There's an end that comes. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come, and it will not delay. What is the end? The end is that God knows what the Babylonians are like. God sees that the enemy is puffed up and his desires are not right. God has heard Habakkuk, and he says, I know that the Babylonians are wicked people. I know they're greedy and arrogant and intoxicated and slave drivers. I see their wickedness. I see the injustice. God's promises is, there is an end that comes when injustice and death and violence and disobedience and pain it all ends and justice and righteousness and love and mercy will prevail God says my eyes on the wickedness my eyes on the injustice and it will be judged but my eyes also on the righteous my eyes on those who seek to live faithfully my eye is on those people who, in the unseen and in the difficult and in the pain, keep doing the things that God calls them to do. Keep seeking justice. Keep seeking love. Keep seeking worship. God says, I see it. You're not forgotten. You're not alone. I see it, and I'm with you. My eye is on you, even in the chaos. Nothing is beyond the sight of the, of the Lord. Nothing is beyond the justice of the Lord later in verse 12 in chapter 2 god declares woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice has not the lord almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire that the nations will exhaust themselves for nothing for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the lord as the waters cover the sea god says people build cities through inflicting pain and bloodshed God says people use injustice and brutality to get ahead. But that will be judged. That will be punished. And the future is not where injustice covers the world. The future is where the intimate knowledge of God covers the world, like the waters cover the sea. The word for knowledge here is the Hebrew word yada. It's It's a word for extremely intimate relationship with two people. It's actually the word that's used for when a husband and wife come together in sexual union. God says the type of intimacy that humanity will have with me is going to be so close and it's going to fill the earth like the waters cover the sea. Like when you stand at the, the, the beach and you look out and all you can see is ocean, God's saying that's what it will be like. The intimate knowledge of me will cover the land. God lifts Habakkuk's eyes from the immediate chaos. He says, I see the chaos. I know the injustice and I'm going to judge it. And he says, but look ahead, I've not forgotten you, I see you, and there is coming a day where the intimacy with me that you desire will not just be for you, it will spread across the whole earth. And this leads to Habakkuk's final prayer, chapter 3, verse 2, he says, Lord, I've heard of your fame, I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord, repeat them in our day, in our time, make them known. In wrath." remember mercy. Habakkuk says, do it now. If you're going to do it, do it now. Do it in my life. Do it today. Habakkuk shifted. Habakkuk's moved from this place of anguish and grief and complaint to a place of faith and expectation. How has he moved? He's moved because he's lamented. He's moved because he's brought that complaint and that grief and that anger to God. He's opened himself up to God. And so Habakkuk can now say, of course I know who you are. Of course I know what you've done. I remember what you do. I remember that you're the God who saved his people out of slavery in Egypt and brought them into a promised land. I I know you're a God who redeemed us through the waters of the Red Sea. I know you're a God who listens. I know you're a God who saves. So do it again. Do it now. Now, Habakkuk has trust and hope and faith. He says, God, bring those promises to fruition. But here's the thing I don't think you can short circuit this journey that Habakkuk's gone through. I don't think you can skip the lament and just always jump straight to the faith part. Maybe that's slightly controversial. I don't think you can just rock up every Sunday and say, God, I know you're good, I know you're true, do it again. Because if there is pain and suffering in your heart that is creating a block between you and God, you have to bring that to him in order to be vulnerable and and genuinely receive those truths and those promises of God afresh. We have to go through this path of lament, opening ourselves up to God again so that we can truly recall who he is and what he's done for us. We can hear those promises again and have the faith to say, God, I do trust you to enact them again. You know, when I'm walking through the woods, kicking stones, breaking twigs, it's the lament that I begin with. It's the frustration, it's the grief, it's the complaint. But at the end of the walk, it's faith. It's like, God, I trust that you can help there, you can help there, I trust your promises. I'm like, I've I've transitioned to the place of faith and calling on God to act. And this is how Habakkuk ends. Chapter 3. Verse 17, this kind of intimacy with God empowers him to wait with patience and actively rejoice. He says, though the fig tree doesn't bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. He says, though everything still remains wrong, there's no food, I can still rejoice. Though the situation hasn't got any better, I can hope and I can wait with patience. Habakkuk's faith is not dependent on the circumstances changing. He's not saying, oh great, the storehouses are full, God's relented, the people of God are back with him. He's not waiting for the circumstances to change, for that to fuel his joy. He says, even if the circumstances don't change, I can wait with joy. Why? Because I remember who my God is. I know that there is an end coming where all the injustice will end and the intimacy with God will prevail. What if God doesn't do it now? What if God doesn't act straight away? What if everything remains wrong When we go through this path of lament, vulnerability with God, we come to a place where we can still have faith, still have hope, still have expectation, but also have strength and patience to wait for the day that is coming when it does all end, when all the pain and injustice ends. How do you know that's true today? We sang it earlier. Jesus, the son of suffering, Our God is not only a God who's sovereign over the world, able to bring justice and intimacy, he's also a God who steps down into the world and suffers with us. There's a God who weeps. There's a God who bleeds. How do you know that you can come before God? Because God actually doesn't just see what you're going through. He has gone through it with you. God doesn't just promise that one day an end will come. God stepped into time and space and went through death and was resurrected on the other side to say, I proclaim to you in the here and now, death does not have the victory. I proclaim to you in the here and now that the power of sin is done away with. I proclaim to you in the here and now that Satan doesn't win the day. How do you know? Because I died and I rose again. I came back to life to show that there is a new creation coming. Habakkuk starts by going, God, you don't listen and you don't save. And he ends by going, of course you listen. Listen. Of course you save, and you give me strength for today. Okay, where are you at with God today? Some of you are like, I need to lament. As I've talked, as I've gone through, you've been like, there is a thing that has happened, there's something that's blocking my relationship with God, and I've just got to bring that to him. Some of you will be really comfortable doing that after I've finished and the band have come up. and Some of you, you need to go to a wood, kick a stone, some of you just need some time alone. Some of you need a trusted friend. I'm, I'm not saying there is a particular way that you have to lament, but bring that to God, bring that pain to him. For some of you, this is about recalling and remembering what God has done, being reminded that he is a God who listens, he's a God who saves, he's a God who sees us. And for some of you, it's that sense of God, give me strength, give me patience, give me what I need for today to make it through to the other side trusting that one day you're going to come back and act if we could have the band back up that'd be great i just want to give you a moment to reflect just a moment of silence to just come before god and ask him where am i at what what do i need to do with you in order to bring myself to you what do, what do i need to do to receive from you today so i'm just going to leave a moment Just reflect in your own hearts and then I'll pray for us.